0: Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Haley. When I was a little boy, I lived in a little town of which you never heard probably called Henning, Tennessee, about 50 miles north of Memphis. I lived there home of my mother's mother, my grandmother, who was very close to me and I to her, and my warmest, earliest memories include that every summer my grandmother, who was widowed, would invite to her home various women members of the family. They came from places which, in the context of a little boy from Henning, Tennessee, sounded very exotic, like Inkster, Michigan, St. Louis, Dyersburg, Tennessee, Kansas City, places such as that. They had names such as Cousin Georgia, Great Aunt Liz, Great Aunt Till, Great Aunt Viney, and others. And they would come there, some would stay for just a couple of weeks when they arrived. Others would stay for the whole of the summer depending on whatever their family situations permitted. And my earliest memories include that Every single evening across those summers, after supper as we call the evening meal, when the dishes had been washed, these ladies, who generally averaged about my grandmother's age range, late 40s, early 50s, (coughs) would go out from the kitchen and kind of filter out onto the front porch. They would each take seats in cane-bottom rocking chairs, and they would begin rocking back and forth. When they all got going it was like so many metronomes just rocking. In time turns it would be about as dusk deepened into early evening, lightning bugs flickering around over the honeysuckle vines just beyond the porch. And they would talk each evening unless there was some local gossip to supersede temporarily. They would talk about it was a long period. Was not a verbatim thing but bits and pieces and patches which were told together kind of in a mixed homogenized way about this family they would speak about people they would speak of places speak of things and i as a little boy didn't have the orientation to understand a great deal that they talk about for instance when they spoke of people and they talked about an old masa i didn't know what an old masa was I didn't know what an old missus was. When they spoke about places and they mentioned a plantation, I didn't know what that was, although after a while I began to get some impression. It must be something rather like a farm for the things I heard being done on them. And I know that my first impression or awareness as a little boy that whatever they were talking about and whomever they were talking about went a long way back would come when every now or then one of these old ladies would get talking animatedly about something which had happened in her girlhood. And it would come sooner or later that one of them would kind of abruptly turn about in her chair and sort of fling her hand down toward me behind my grandmother's chair where I always sit and exclaim something like, I wasn't any bigger than this youngin' here. And the very idea That someone as old and wrinkled and gray as they had once been no older or bigger than I was just blew my mind. I could hardly believe that. (laughs) But it gave me the impression that whatever they were talking about was something which went a long way back. When they were speaking of people, the furthest back person they ever would speak of was someone whom they called the African. They would tell how this African was brought on a ship to this country to a place which they pronounced as. Naples. And they would tell how he was bought off that ship by a man whom they called Massa John Waller, who took this African to his plantation in a place which they described as Spotsylvania County, Virginia. And they told how there, this African desperately kept trying to escape. The first three times he escaped, he was caught, brought back, and each time given a worse beating than previously as his punishment. And then the fourth time he escaped, This time he had the misfortune to be caught by a pair of professional slave catchers. I have since done some peripheral research on that profession. I think it's safe to say that there has never been a more bestial profession ever walked the face of this country. The story went that these men cornered this African who had escaped for the fourth time, and he, in his desperation, hurled a rock which hit one of them in the head and wounded the man rather badly. Nonetheless, they were able to overwhelm him, and then the story was that they brought him back before a group of other slaves who had escaped fewer times than he, and apparently one, because he had injured one of them, and two, because he was such a repetitive escapee that he set up a very glaring bad example in the course of slavery at that time. He was given an exemplary punishment, or in fact choice of punishment was told that he was given the choice before the others either of being castrated or of having a foot cut off, and this African chose the foot. The story was that his foot was put on a stump and with an axe was cut off across the arch. It was a hideous act. It was by no means a necessarily uncommon act in the course of antebellum slavery. As it would turn out, it was going to play a very major role in the keeping intact of the history of a black family down across literally generations. That would play out against one major background fact, and that was that slaves had very little sense of that which we today know value and treasure as family continuity. And the principal reason that they did not was because slaves tended to be sold back and forth enough that on the average when those who were of parent age had children, often those children grew up knowing little if indeed anything at all about their parents which is to say that many parents were sold away from children too young to have remembered their parents and then when those children grew up and in turn had children there was yet less that they could pass on to their children so over a period of successive generations it came to be that slaves as a body were characterized with appreciably less and less knowledge of family lineage, or heritage, as we know it. And in this time, when this was the case, when this particular African, whose foot had been cut off, managed first to survive, then to convalesce, he posed now to his master an economic question. Slavery was, after all, an economic matter viewed in that perspective by those who were owners of slaves. The master apparently decided that Although he was crippled and he hobbled about, he could do limited work and that he would be more valuable doing that limited work than if he were sold away at one of the auctions held periodically in the area. Because had he been sold at auction, he automatically, in his condition, would have been sold at what was called a scrap sale at the end of auctions, when those who were variously ill, incapacitated or otherwise not so physically desirable, were sold for quite low prices as a rule. So it happened that in a time when slaves were characterized by very little knowledge of self in lineage terms, this particular African, by his master's decision, was kept on one plantation for what was going to turn out to be quite a long period of time. Limping, hobbling about, working as best he could in the vegetable garden where he had been assigned, This African, in time, met and mated with another slave there on that plantation in Spotsylvania County, Virginia. And in the stories told by my grandmother and Aunt Liz and Cousin George and Aunt Plus and Aunt Viney and the rest of them, she was described as Belle the Big House Cook. And of this union was born a little girl, and she was given the name Kizzy. As the little girl Kizzy grew up, It was said that when she got to be four or five or so and could begin to understand such things, this African father of hers, every chance he got, would take the little girl, his daughter, by the hand and lead her about the plantation. He would point (coughs) out to her various natural objects, a tree, a rock, the sky, a cow, a chicken, anything of this nature, and every time he'd point out any such object to his daughter, he would tell her the name for that thing, in his native tongue, and the little girl, Kizzy, like any child today hearing an alien tongue spoken, heard and learned strange phonetic sounds. Gradually, with repetitive hearing of them and repetition of them on her own part, she memorized these sounds, and she came to associate certain sounds with certain objects. For instance, it was said that there was in the slave quarters a stringed instrument of a sort, which was in some places called a kwa -kwa. It kind of roughly resembled, say, a banjo, or maybe loosely speaking, a guitar or something. And it was said that every time this African would point to this instrument with his daughter in tow, he would say to her, Ko, as if it were spelled K-O, a single syllable. And the little girl Kizzy came to know that in her African father's terms, that stringed instrument meant coal. There were numerous other sounds for other objects that he would point out from time to time. Perhaps the most involved of the objects or sounds that he would point out or make with her was that there was a river which ran nearby this plantation in Spotsylvania County, Virginia. The river, in fact, was the Mattaponi River. And it was said that whenever this African would point to this river with his daughter, present, he would say to her, Kambi Bolongo, and she came to know that strange phonetic sound, and to know that to him her father it meant river. There was about this African something which was characteristic of all those Africans who were brought from Africa and bought off slave ships and taken to plantations. When they were taken to plantations, about the very first act, in the case of virtually every one of them, was that they were given an anglicized name. And for all practical purposes, that was the first step in the psychic dehumanization of an individual or collectively of a people, the removal from the individual of the native name with which went his or her subjective sense of self-identity, the same as it is with us today, whatever may happen to be our names of this African, he was given by his master the name Toby. But it was said that on that plantation that every time any of the other slaves would address him as Toby, he would strenuously rebuff and reject it and tell them that his name was Kinte, a sharp, two-syllabic, angular sound Kinte, which the little girl Kizzy came to know was her father said his name. There was about this African yet another thing, again characteristic of all those Africans who were the ancestors of all we black people here in this auditorium or here in this country, and that was that every single one of them had been torn from some place where they had spoken whatever was their native tongue, and they had been brought to this place where it was a matter of necessity that they learned to speak as quickly as possible what was for them a strange alien new tongue, English. Gradually, haltingly, a word here, a phrase there, those Africans learned to speak this new tongue, English, in their own individualistic way that we now call idiom or dialect or some such. And as this process happened with this particular African, he began now with a little wider range in the language that his daughter better understood English to tell her little anecdotes, stories about himself. As a matter of fact, it would appear he had a passion for trying to communicate to his daughter a sense of his past. Among the stories he told her was how he had been captured. He said that he had been not far away from his village, chopping wood, intending to make himself a drum when he had been surprised, set upon, overwhelmed, and thus had been kidnapped into slavery. And the little girl, Kizzy, came to know that story that her father told, among other stories that he told. To compress what would happen on that plantation in Virginia over the next five years and then further along, the girl, Kizzy, stayed there growing up on the plantation, directly exposed to her African father, to his stories and to his sounds, until at the age of 16, Kizzy was sold away. She was sold away to a new master. His name was Tom Lee, L-E-A. He had a much smaller plantation in Caswell County, North Carolina, and it was on that plantation that within her first year there, the young woman, Kizzy, gave birth to her child, a boy who was given the name George. The father, or at least the sire, was the new master, Tom Lee, which was not at all an uncommon situation in the antebellum South. As it would turn out, when this boy George got to be four or five or so and began to ask the obvious question about who was his father, his mother Kizzy, rather than tell him the truth that the master was his father, began instead to tell him about her father. And so this boy, among others that he had contact with, began boastfully to talk about his grandfather, this African, who said his name was Kinte, who called a guitar coke who called a river Cambie Bolongo, who said that he had been chopping wood, intending to make a drum when he'd been captured, and all the rest of the story as it had come down from his mother, Kizzy. In the pattern of slaving at the time, when the boy George got to be about 12 years of age, he now was apprenticed to an old slave to learn a useful occupation. In his case, the old slave was Uncle Bingo, who handled the master's fighting Gamecocks. The fighting of Gamecocks in the Antebellum South was a sport comparable in popularity to say the basketball or football or baseball among us today and this young boy it seems together with whatever Uncle Mingo was able to teach him seemed to have a kind of innate green thumb like ability for this sport to the degree that by the time he was in his mid-teens he had been given by others involved in the sport, the nickname that would stick indelibly to him for the rest of his long life, and that was Chicken George. When Chicken George got to be about 18, he met the young slave woman with whom he later would mate. Her name was Matilda, and in time, Matilda was going to give birth to... All right, we'll stop it right there, and we'll meet back up on part two.